Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. At home, home for Christmas, and uh, I want us to look at one scripture up front today. Proverbs chapter 30, beginning in verse 26. Proverbs chapter 30, beginning in verse 26. Didn't the kids do amazing? Thank you to all those who serve in DP Kids and that ministry. Uh, They are not the church of tomorrow. They are the church of today. And the promises of God in Christ are for them. And Jesus is for them. He is a lamb for everyone in every house. Proverbs chapter 30, beginning in verse 26. The rock badgers are a feeble folk, yet they make their homes in the crags. I want to preach a message today titled, At Home There. Before I do, I want to pray. Father, I beseech you, I come before you acknowledging my need and dependency through Jesus upon the power of the Holy Spirit that I ought make Christ and His kingdom manifested as I ought. That Jesus, your great gift, the Prince of Peace, the Reconciler, of all persons, back to you, would be revealed to every heart. Holy Spirit, speak to people. May people encounter you. This is your church. You build it. We give you the glory, all the honor. I yield to you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm confident many of you are already in that Christmas search of what you're going to buy for friends or family members, and it's that time to navigate the issue of Christmas gifts. Anybody else at the age like me, where you're not after that so-called excitement of getting a present, not knowing what it is, that you would just rather go out, buy what you want, give it to your spouse or your friends or your neighbors, have them wrap it, give it back to you, Hey, praise God. Thank you. What a great gift. That's where I'm at in life, but I don't know. Maybe you would prefer to take the chance that without doing such, someone would still know you enough and get you something that would not just surprise you, but that you would utilize and like. In fact, I looked at what they are some of the top gadgets of 2020 for Christmas is this year. The Roomba 650, they're up to 650 now. The Roomba 650 gadget 2020. The Dyson Supersonic Hair Dryer. Hair Dryer. The Roku Streaming Stick Plus. Plus. Next year will be the Plus Plus. Just to let you know. Gravity Blankets. Theragun Elite Sore Muscles. That gun that just beats you. I don't know if it hurts or it helps. 
the Sonos One speaker, and the Ancestry DNA kit, noise-canceling headphones, Apple AirPods Pro. But you know, as I think about Christmas gifts and I look through top potential gadgets of the year, I have never seen on a list nor ever heard of anyone asking for a rock badger. For a rock badger. And this brings me back to our text today in Proverbs 30 where it says in verse 26, the rock badgers are a feeble folk, yet they make their homes in the crags. In the crags. We have a picture of a rock badger, I believe. Maybe after seeing this picture, some of you is going to add a rock badger to your Christmas list. Some of you might think they're cute, others ugly, but nevertheless, there is a picture of one. They are a hyrax. They're found in parts of Africa and extreme southwestern Asia, also around the land of Israel. In South Africa, they're for badger. As you look at them, they're not very fast-moving animals. They're not able to defend themselves very well. Uh, they eat two main meals of a, a day, and they eat very, very fast. In fact, they, because they eat so fast, they only eat less than an hour per day because they consume their food so quickly. They do have a main predator. Their main predator is the black eagle. They have keen eyesight that can detect movement more than a half a mile away. has created and designed them. They have eyes that are equipped with a special membrane that filters the sun's rays, enabling him to look directly into the sun without harm. In fact, they say that oftentimes during the day they lay out on the rocks and they stare directly into the sun, warming in the rocks and staring in the sun. I thought, how interesting that is because, you know, that's something the Holy Spirit does for the people of God, is that He empowers and gives us the capacity in all seasons, in all trials, in all storms, in all difficulties of life, to be able to set our vision and to set our sight consistently directly upon Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. They are highly sociable. Their feet are always damp, being the only parts of their bodies that perspire. And they say that that dampness also helps them with traction where they can scale almost vertical rock cliffs. They also have a, on their hind foot a special little claw that allows them to groom themselves consistently. In fact, they are said to be one of the most clean animals and that you would never find a flea or a tick on them due to them utilizing their claw and the cleanliness that they have. I thought this was very interesting. They set aside a specific location to be used as a toilet for the whole community, for the whole colony. One place. One place. And lastly, they demonstrate wisdom. They demonstrate wisdom. They make their homes in the crags. In fact, the context of Proverbs 30, right around verse 26, is the writer says, and yet they're extremely wise. 
You ever felt small on the earth before? If not, I pray you do today. It's a good thing. It is a place to be able to make a wise choice. So look again at our text, Proverbs 30 and 26. The rock badgers are a feeble folk, yet they make their homes in the crags. Let me talk about their home. They make their homes in the crags. The crags is in the rocks. In fact, I know a little something about the crag, the crag. I know a little something about the crags. In fact, that's where my family uh, gets their name, of a family lineage that comes from Scotland and lived up on the rocky high places back many, many centuries ago. But notice that they make their home in the crag. And here's what hit me when you think about the wisdom they display and how it's applicable for you and I in the day that we live in, applicable in what you are facing. You do not have to be strong if where you make your home provides strength. Notice they are feeble, but because they make their home in something that has great strength, a, a rock, a crag, then they don't have to be strong because where they make their home provides the strength. Listen, you don't have to protect yourself if where you make your home provides the protection. You don't have to save yourself if where you make your home provides salvation. Some of you today, you're facing things and you don't know how you could ever deliver yourself from the clutch of sin, from the clutch of oppression, for the clutch of things that have held on to you and maybe your family lineage for generations. But listen, fret not. Learn from the rock badger. Learn from their wisdom. You don't have to deliver yourself if you make your home in a place that will deliver you that will protect you, that will save you. You and I just have to make the wise choice to make your home there. To make your home there. You know, Paul, it reminds me what he told Timothy. He told Timothy as he was facing leadership difficulties and stress. He said, hey, let me remind you of how you've known Scripture from a young age, which is able to make you wise. This is the benefit that you and I have. May we never, never take for granted that you and I have access to the whole counsel of God. Do you know the majority of our brothers and sisters in China don't have access to even a page of the Scripture? And you and I have access to all of Scripture. And all of Scripture can make us wise to inform us how to make wise choices regarding salvation, regarding where deliverance, regarding where we make our home and our dwelling. Do you know the psalmist made a wise decision in Psalms 18 and verse 2? He said, the Lord is my rock, the Lord is my crag, and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, watch this, in whom I will trust. See, where you make your home is a declaration and a demonstration and a display of who you make your trust in. Some of you have been making your home in your own strength. You've been trying to build your life with your own hands. You've been trying to build your business with your own intellect, with your own wisdom. You've been trying to free yourself from the grip of sin and selfishness through your own ability. But listen to me. Learn from the psalmist. Make the Lord your rock. Make the Lord be the one that you trust to be your shield and the horn of your salvation and your stronghold. See, the psalmist 
was wise regarding salvation. The psalmist made the Lord his rock, his crag. Let me talk about this rock, the Lord Jesus from heaven. Did you know that Jesus, the same Lord, is a rock of salvation, but also a rock of offense? Jesus is the same person to every person. It's the same rock, but the same rock, but people make different choices. What are these different choices that people make? Well, some choose to make Jesus their home. Some choose to make Jesus who they'll trust in to be their strength, to be their salvation, to be the provision of God to cleanse them from their guilt, their shame, to deliver them from a life enslaved by selfishness, self-centeredness. But others make the choice not to make their home in Him. And therefore, Jesus is the same person, the same rock, but He's salvation for one and an offense to another. Which leads me to the question, why would anyone want to make their home in the rock, Jesus Christ? The reason someone, and many of you today, have made what Scripture calls a wise choice, an informed choice, a choice with a heart of spiritual understanding to make the Lord your dwelling place, to make the Lord your crag, your rock, your salvation in whom you will trust is because of the issue of sin. The issue of sin. Your conscience is constantly until dealt with alarming and informing you of guilt. That whether you know it or not, you have this inner awareness of some standard that you've not measured up to. A sense that something has went wrong. The Bible calls that sin. The Bible says that sin is lawlessness, meaning you've lived life as a law unto yourself. You have allowed yourself, your feelings, your opinions to inform what you have determined to be right and wrong for you. But that's lawlessness. There is a standard. There is a standard that God, our Creator, created for us. And so many people have made the choice to make their home, their dwelling in the rock Jesus Christ because the issue of sin. And because there's sin, there's the issue of eternal judgment. Meaning, God life, life however you want, and there's no accountability. My God, if we could ever get accountability, if we could truly get accountability in all the leadership of the world, what a difference it would make. If we could get accountability. But even if accountability don't happen in this life, they cannot, cannot remove themselves from accountability when they leave their earthly tent, their earthly temple, their body. For after death comes the judgment. 
So many people make their home in the rock Jesus Christ because they know that they have sinned. They have missed the mark of God's standard for their life of why they were created. And they know they're going to have to give an account to the Creator that there is an eternal judgment. And it has led them to make a wise choice of surrendering to the only rightful King, Jesus Christ. See, this is very important. Oftentimes, people get open to the gospel through tension, through trouble, through trauma, through difficulties. But listen, a relationship with Jesus cannot just be built upon a desperate plea and cry to be saved from temporary trauma and temporary tension. Because listen to me, when you make that cry, you're asking Jesus to do something that you want done. But that means you could still think that you're a king. But the gospel is that there's only one king. There's only one who's worthy of being king because there's only one, one who lived in complete obedience to God the Creator who never put himself before others, who never disobeyed the Father. Jesus Christ alone is the only worthy King. Because the question you and I need to remember is, what do we do when Jesus the King commands us to do something that's contrary to our will and our own desire? Because He's King. He's Lord. So why again would anyone make their home in the rock Jesus Christ? Because only in and through Jesus is their forgiveness of sins. God, your Creator, my Creator, our Creator, has made no other way to deal with our wrongdoing, has made no other way to cleanse us from our guilt and our shame. Listen, if there was another way, He wouldn't have not sent Jesus who then grew up and lived in perfect obedience and yieldedness and surrenderedness to the Father, who then had His back plowed open, who hung between heaven and earth as the mercy seat, as the door opening up a way for you and I to be brought back into right standing with God Almighty in heaven. That it's only in Him that true salvation and deliverance can happen. It's only in Jesus that true freedom from the captivity of sin can be experienced. It's only in Jesus that you and I can be delivered from the lordship of Satan who is seeking to deceive the nations. That as they seek to live a life where they think that they're free, they're actually not free. They are deceived and enslaved by Him. And they're falling the footsteps of what the Bible calls Satan, the lawless one. But here's the other question. Why would anyone not want to make their home in the rock, Jesus Christ? Here's why, listen. You, you do not make your home in His strength if you feel and believe you are strong enough. You do not make your home in His protection if you feel and believe you are secure enough. You do not make your home in His salvation if you feel and believe you do not need to be saved or you believe and think you can save yourself. You can earn your way back through good works and to God. But never forget this. It doesn't matter how many so-called good works you do 
No amount of good works can undo the bad works you have done. And that's why the issue of sin is the first confronting thing that Jesus said the Holy Spirit is sent to convince us of. Jesus said, before He would give His life for you and I, He tells those closest to Him, He said, I will send the Holy Spirit, the Helper, the Great Teacher, and He will convict the world of sin because they do not believe in Me. What are they believing in? They're believing in their own strength. They're believing in their own works. They're believing in deception. They're believing in that they can be their own King and own Lord without accountability. Listen, maybe you're here today or you're listening and you have current objections to the declaration that Jesus is Lord and the kingdom of God is at hand and there's no other way under heaven by which men or women can be saved. That God has only made one way to deal with our sin, only one way to save us from sin's grip and Satan's lordship in our life, the person in the way of Jesus Christ. Maybe you have objections. Listen, and that's okay. But let me tell you what, if you're a person with objections, I would say is not okay. To never be willing to have your current objections confronted. Because your current objections could be deception. The reason you have current objections could be that you have been misled by society. You have been misled by other voices. You have been misled by the effects of sin upon your own heart. Listen, current objections, friends, do not have to be final if only they can be confronted. Confronted. And remember what Paul told Timothy? He said, Scripture can teach you and inform you on what is the wise choice to make regarding salvation. That it's found only in Jesus Christ. This is what we see in the rock badger. That the rock badger makes the wise choice by making its home in the crag. That the crag is its salvation. It is its protection. But did you know that the crag, which is protection and salvation to the rock badger, is an offense to the main predator of the rock badger? The black eagle hates the crag. It is an offense to the enemy of the rock badger because the crag provides salvation and protection from the black eagle. Do you understand that there's a black eagle after your soul? There's a black eagle after your home? There's a black eagle after your thoughts and your mind and your hearts and your passions and your pursuits and it's the enemy of every soul, the devil and his kingdom. And Jesus is God's provision for salvation, but it's an offense to those that oppose God's design and way of salvation. Now listen, you say, well, of course. Of course the crag is an offense to the black eagle. The black eagle doesn't have the same nature as a rock badger. Exactly. Now watch this. Think about that. The difference of nature. It is the key in understanding humanity and the different responses of humanity. The difference of natures. 
You know, most have heard or are at least familiar with John 3.16. But though most are familiar with John 3.16, most are not familiar with the context and the rest of John 3.16. Let's look at it. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. It is rescue. It is that He's provided a rock that He wants to allow to save you and to protect you from the judgment that's coming, to cleanse you from guilt, to provide forgiveness. So God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Notice Jesus. This is Jesus. This isn't Chan. This isn't Pastor Chan. This isn't a denomination. This isn't dwelling place. This is Jesus, the only one who has ever died and been raised again victorious. Said that all persons, the whole world, needs to be saved. The issue of sin. The issue of accountability. The issue that there's a coming eternal judgment. And God sent the Son not to condemn us, but to save us. Verse 18. He who believes in Him is not condemned. He is condemned already. Because he or she has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 19, watch this. And this is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world. And men and women love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his or her deeds should be exposed. This is Jesus. See, listen, you do light if you love practicing the deeds of darkness. This speaks to Nature, that they love darkness. Why did they love darkness? Because that is their nature. It's their nature. They love darkness rather than light because of their nature. And because their choices, their deeds were evil. Here's what you learn. Our choices affect our affections. Listen, our choices affect our affections. It affects what we love. They keep making choices to practice darkness and therefore their choices make them find the rock, Jesus, an offense because it makes them love their darkness more than the rescue of God, the Creator through the Son, the light of the world, Jesus. So according to Jesus, sinners need to be saved by God. And yet, though they need to be saved by God, they don't feel at home in God's presence. Think about that. Sinners need to be saved from their sin and selfishness and slavery to the devil, the lawless one. And they need to be saved by God. And yet, because their nature loves to practice lawlessness... They are not at home in the presence of God, the only one who can save them. 
The only one who can save them. And not only are they not at home in the presence of God, they're not at home around other rock badgers, God's people. Listen, and this is important for you who are, us who are a follower of Jesus to understand. The resistance that people feel when they come around God's presence and they come around God's people, it's not that God doesn't love them, it's that they have made choices to do and practice evil that has allowed their affections to love themselves more than truth in God and their nature is fighting against the very thing they need. The very thing they need. So listen, this is the issue of being at home. The issue of being at home speaks to the issue of nature. The rock badger is at home in the crag because of their nature. The black eagle is not at home in the crag because of its nature. Now think of that, we'll come back to it. But look again at our text, Proverbs 30 and 26. The rock badgers are a feeble folk, yet they make their homes. Listen, are at home in the crags. What does that mean? Listen, they don't just live in the crags. They are at home in the crags. Home is an idiom in our language. It is a phrase that means to be very comfortable, to be proficient in a particular area. It means to feel free to behave as if one lived there. An example would be, for some of you, your mom is at home in the kitchen in her home. You say, that sounds contradictory. She's in her home. Why would you say that she feels at home in the kitchen that's in the home? What you're saying is, is that part of her nature, her wiring, her personality, her gifts, her liking, allows her to feel free in the kitchen. She loves to cook. She's made choices to cook that has caused her affections to love to cook and be in the kitchen more. See, listen to me. There are a myriad, a myriad of habitats in the world, but not to the badger. There's a myriad of habitats in the world, but not to the rock badger. Listen, the rock badger is only at home in the crags. See, being at home is connected to our nature. The black eagle isn't at home in the crags because of its nature, but the rock badger is at home in the crags because of its nature. The rock badger is able to feel free to behave as if they're at home because it is in accordance with their nature. So listen, this brings you and I to the issue of the makeup of mankind. How did God the Creator make you and I? Without Scripture, we would be in a sense fumbling through the dark or the dark, corrupted philosophies of psychology influenced by Satan. But Scripture informs us of how we are made. Without Scripture, you might just think you are what you see, that all you are is what you can handle and touch of you. 
If that's the case, then we really shouldn't celebrate people's life if all they were was a physical body. But the Bible informs us that you are a spirit made in the image of God. You are a soul. You have mind and will and volition and emotions and intellect and affections. You have mind, will, and emotions. And you live in your body. You are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in your body. For followers of Jesus, listen, you now have been given a new nature through what's called the new birth. And you and I can only feel at home when this, listen, when the desires of your soul are more aligned with your spirit than your body. I'll say it the reverse way. When the desires of your soul are more aligned with your body than with your spirit, you will not be at home with Jesus Christ. See, listen, as followers of Jesus, it's just like unbelievers. There is a myriad, many, many, many options of habitats, habitudes, habits, attitudes, lifestyles to make your home in. There is all kinds of options you and I can have to make our home, our practice in. But when your soul is making your home in things that are not in line with the Spirit of Christ in your spirit, you will not be at home with Jesus Christ. What do I mean that followers of Jesus cannot be at home in the presence of Jesus? Your soul, your heart's not at peace with Jesus. You can have followers of Jesus whose soul is just as troubled as an unbeliever because they're seeking to find their trust and their refuge. They're seeking to find their salvation and their strength in the things of the world instead of in the crag of the rock Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is not just God's provision for eternity. He is our provision for every day. He is the grace for every day. He is the protection. He is the refuge. He is our Provider, He is our salvation, our deliverer for every day. So when the desires of your soul are more aligned with the world, the lies, the enticements of the devil, than with your spirit, your inner person, you will not be at home with Jesus Christ. So question for followers of Jesus Christ. Am I, are you as a follower of Jesus at home with Jesus Christ. Are you at peace with the King? Listen, not just of your spirit, the King of your soul and body. The King of your home and your life. See, listen to me. You can know God and not be at home with Him. You can know about Jesus and not be at home with Him. You can have a relationship with God and not be at home with Him. You can have a relationship with Jesus Christ and not be at home with Him. The question for followers of Jesus is, are we at peace with Him? And your heart tells you. Your heart tells you. See, where can we, where can I, where can you say my soul is at home there? 
See, that's the vital question for us as followers of Jesus today. Where is your there? Is your there as a follower of Jesus that when I'm watching football, oh, my soul is at rest and I'm at peace? Where is your there? Because for followers of Jesus, this is vital because without answering it correctly, you and I are vulnerable to deception. We are vulnerable to delusion. We are vulnerable to false peace and false comfort and false security that is false. And if we find ourselves facing certain circumstances and events, it will reveal the delusion and the deception of our there. Because for us as followers of Jesus, there's only one there. It's the rock of Jesus Christ. It's the rock of Jesus Christ. See, what you treasure will become your there. Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Treasure is another way of saying what you value most important. Let me put it this way. What you value most important will become your heart's ruling desire. And when a follower of Jesus, heart's ruling desire is not the rock Jesus Christ, listen, then our soul can't be at home there. When our primary ruling desire is for, listen, even good things that God has given us. Even when you find like, like Thomas did last night, favor from the Lord and get a spouse. Even if it's a spouse, even if it's God's assignment for your life, even if it's a calling, if it's, if you're there as anything else other than Jesus Christ, the rock, listen, we are vulnerable and we can't actually be at home. We lose the ability to operate in the liberty that we were created as sons and daughters of the Most High God. This is why the whole gospel of following Jesus for followers of Jesus is take up your cross. Meaning there has to be a death of realizing my there can't be there even if it's a good thing, a God thing, that the only place that can be my there is the rock Jesus Christ. That's why I love what the psalmist said. The psalmist said in Psalms 71.3, Be my strong refuge, watch this, to which I may resort continually. Oh, I love that. That I may resort continually. You have given the commandments to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. There it is. Listen. For followers of Jesus, we have an open resort continually. It doesn't matter if it's coronavirus. It doesn't matter if they cancel cruises. It doesn't matter if they cancel vacations. It doesn't matter if they try to say you can't Airbnb. It's open continually. But you and I at times don't put our there there. We put our resort to other theirs. We put our resort to binging Netflix. We put our resort to comparing ourselves to others are there, all these other places in the world, instead of the rock Jesus Christ. And it's not something that just you face as a follower of Jesus. I face it. We all face it. Is where will you and I resort as followers of Jesus continually to? Where will we find our, re our refuge? Where will we find our strength? Where will we put our trust for that at-home experience, that rest, that soul rest. For followers of Jesus, we are at home with Christ when our heart's ruling desire is for the freedom He offers 
contrary to the so-called freedom the world offers. Listen, for followers of Jesus, we are at home with Christ when we want what He wants and we will what He wills. For followers of Jesus, we're at home with Christ when we love what He loves and hates what He hates. For followers of Jesus, we are at home with Christ when we are not ashamed of Him nor His words. But listen to me. You and I, who are followers of Jesus, have to grow in Christ being our there. Because for many of us, we came to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus, the only rock of salvation, later in life. We have a history of life before the Lordship of Jesus and following Jesus. We have a history of practices, of events, of circumstances where we resorted to other things beside God's provision, Jesus. We resorted to sinful patterns. We resorted to ways of the world. And we have memories and experiences that seek to continually say resort to that to deal with this. So listen, you and I as followers of Jesus have to grow and are there being the presence, the manifest presence of our King and our God. Where listen, in the presence of God, we begin to feel free because the ruling desire of our heart is aligned with our spirit's desire and the new nature we've been given in Christ. See, now we have to grow in getting an at-home, a natural feel, a used-to feel of the presence of God instead of the things of our past. See, when you and I as a follower of Jesus make a sinful choice, when we choose in a moment a temporary pleasure, a sinful passion that's stirred through an enticement of the world around us, and we think that in that, in choosing that, we can find liberty, we could be at home there, that by doing our own will instead of Jesus' will, we could be at home there. Listen, time and time again, Experience proves we're wrong. Listen, for followers of Jesus, you cannot be at home in temporary place. Your spirit that is joined to the spirit of Jesus Christ cannot feel at home when your soul seeks to make its resort and refuge in temporary pleasures and practices of the world. And you and I, as followers of Jesus, and especially in the time we live in, have to grow where our soul finds our at-home. Many believers, listen, soul is not at home in the presence of God. How do I know? By watching their life. They busy themselves. They are constantly moving, distracting themselves because their soul is not at home in God's presence. They compromise themselves. 
But all of us have to grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord and learning that our continual resort is the manifest presence of God. And what happens is as you grow and making your resort the revealed manifest presence of God, when you're not resorting continually to encountering the manifest presence of God, you start getting anxious, grumpy, heavy, because your soul is sending the alarm that you have not sought recently your continual refuge, shield, protection, the crag in whom you trust, Jesus Christ. This is Luke 15. Jesus, if you're not familiar with Luke 15, he tells three parables. The parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. What's interesting is you've got to understand that all of these lost things belonged to an owner. And what we find out is that there's people who are lost wondering who are isolated today, who are disconnected sheep, but through the covenant, God still views them as sheep. Listen, listen, listen. The parable is not the lost sinner. It's the lost sheep. Even though the lost sheep is a sinner. The, it's not. It's the lost prodigal. Not the lost friend. Meaning the prodigal is seen by the father through the covenant as his son. But the son is in the wrong place in the pig pen even though it don't have a pig nature. And that's why the prodigal can't be at rest. That's why it says, let me read it, Luke 15. In verse 13, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine and the pig ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself... But when he came to himself, that I'm hanging out with pigs, but I don't have a pig nature. When he came to himself, that he is living the lie, thinking that as he does life how he wants, that the temporary pleasures can bring him the liberty and bring him the soul rest that he seeks. But when he comes to himself, that his soul can't find rest outside of the Father's presence. He returns. The amazing thing though that Jesus blows our conception is He returns thinking, I'll just be a slave in the Father's house. But the Father doesn't make Him be a slave. The Father says, no, you're my son. And He restores Him to full privilege. That's the shocking punch, is that the father restores him to be at home as a son, not as a servant. Why? Because he's a son. 
And I don't care how long, whether you're here or whether you're listening, you've been hanging around with people that don't have the same nature as you. You've been hanging out with unbelievers who by very nature find Jesus and the gospel an offense. And you've been eating and trying to eat the same pleasures they are, but you can't feel at rest because you don't have the same nature as them. That if you'll come to yourself today, you need to know that the Father is ready to welcome you and run and reinstate you as a full son and daughter in the Father's house. See, you might be lost, but through the covenant, He views you as His valuable possession. It was the lady's coin that was lost. It was her coin. It was a wandering sheep, but it was still the shepherd's sheep. It was a prodigal, but it was still through the covenant of the Son. What I'm trying to tell some people today is you might have some grandkids and you might have some children and you're a person of faith in the new covenant of Jesus. What you've got to understand is the covenant in Jesus is a covenant for the whole house, for the whole home. And whether they know it or not... God sees them as sheep through the covenant of your faith. Now they might be a sinning sheep right now and they might be a prodigal son and daughter right now but God through the covenant of the blood says but they're my sheep. I have provision through Jesus to them. God sees them as His lost valuable coin and treasure. And we have a covenant for our children and our children's children through Jesus. Then, as he comes back, you find that there was a brother that never left. But that brother who never left the Father's presence wasn't at home in the Father's presence. And it says in verse 28 of 15, Come on, Jesse, but he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I, notice the I focus, never transgress your commandment. And at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that I have is yours. But it was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again. Listen, I unfortunately, and I'm sure many of you have, have listened to tragic, sad stories from brothers and sisters. Sure, something that's happened in their relationship with another brother and a sister where they have been wronged, where they face tension, where they face difficulties and great trials. But listen, the story of the prodigal son informs us that when we come home, to the local church and the the Father's presence in the local church. Listen, being at home in the Father's presence is not the absence of difficulties. It's not the absence of selfishness in others. It's not the absence of tensions of life. But listen, being at home in the Father's presence is the present preference for handling life's difficulties, our selfishness, and the tensions of life. The prodigal returns home to the father's presence, but it's not then an experience without difficulties. He's got another brother who's upset. 
And I'm sorry what's happened to you, but listen, following Jesus and experiencing the presence of Jesus in community is us learning for our soul to be at rest in His presence, but it's not the removal that will never face tension or selfishness in another brother and sister. But come home! You don't belong in a pig pen. You can't get the manifest presence of God in the club. In the place of sin. You can only get the corporate manifest presence of God amongst the gathered people of God. I'll never forget experiences I had as a prodigal. Going to buy dope in certain places. Walking in. It's like everybody knew without saying anything that I didn't belong. The demons that captivated those people, those unbelievers, they knew that I didn't belong there. Oh, but thank God for His mercy. That people still can come to themselves. That though they've been in a pig pen, though they're hanging out with people that don't have the same nature as them, that the Father is saying, come home. You might be a sinner, but I see you as my sheep through the covenant of the blood of Jesus. That the faith of your parents is why you've seen protection on your life, and yet there's been friends and others who've died, who's OD'd, who's addicted, and yet... You've not experienced the same thing. That's the power of the covenant, the blood of Jesus. So where's your at home? Where currently is your soul saying, that's my there, that's where I'm at home there. I'm going to tell you, friends, that we're going to be a church that grows and learns that our there is the manifest presence of God. That we can be in God's holy presence and we don't like the Old Testament and the people of Israel with hard hearts and selfish, self-dependent hands draw back from the almighty, holy presence of God. But we learn to grow our soul, to find present, find rest in the resort continually and to be at home in the holy, manifest presence of God. When we're not there, we lose that sense we lose that sense of being at home. We say, I got to get in the Father's manifest presence. I got to go shut the door at the house. I got to get to the gathering, but I'm going to learn to be in God's presence until He drives out all anxiety, all fear, all control, all worry, all distractions, all busyness all false dares of my soul that I want my soul to learn to resort continually to the only rock Jesus Christ my King because you know the choices you make today is affecting your eternal home Ecclesiastes 12 5 come on band the spirit of wisdom says also they are afraid of heights talking about as people get old of the terrors in the way when the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper is a burden and desire fails. For man goes, watch this, to his eternal home. And the mourners go about the streets. Remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed 
or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the well then the dust will return to the earth as it was listen listen unbeliever listen sinner and the spirit will return question is whose nature will you have what nature will your, will, your, will your spirit have when it returns to God? Will you have the nature of the lawless one, Satan? Will you have your spirit the nature of sin? And you'll be locked in to an eternal home of separation? The very presence of Almighty God, your Creator? Or will you have the nature of God's Son, Jesus Christ? Because God's made a way to offer you and I a new nature. A nature that can find reconciliation and restoration with the Father. A nature that no longer longs to live life her own way. But a nature that's created in true righteousness and holiness that longs for the will of God. For the kingdom of heaven to come on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, there's an alarming reality communicated in Scripture and that's confirmed in our human experience. We find it in Genesis 2 and Genesis 3. You remember God, in the story of the beginning, He creates Adam and Eve, and He had already created the earth and the garden, and He puts them in this garden. He gives them purpose. He gives them His presence. He gives them access to Him. He invites them into a tree of life to live in that state of abiding and experiencing the manifest presence of God, of walking with God. And yet in Genesis 3, they choose lawlessness. They choose to be their own king. And then we find that in Genesis 3.8 it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. God among the trees of the garden. He said to him, Where? are you so he said I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself and he said who told you that you were naked have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat and of course he did the reality holy Reverential truth communicated in the story of the beginning is that Adam and Eve, just like you and I, were created to be at home in the presence of God. And yet when God's presence comes to Adam and Eve, they're hiding from the presence of the one they're created to live and walk and experience. Why? Because their nature changed. And now their nature is a nature of sin and lawless and it's rebelling against the very thing that they need. It's resisting the very thing they were created for. The reason why you've experienced so much pressure, so much distractions, so many reasons and objections to keep you around the rock badgers of God, the people of God, and the presence of God in the local church is because God knows that you on your own cannot 
because your nature is fighting against the very thing you were created for, the presence of Almighty God. Here we see Adam and Eve. They're an example of an unbeliever, a sinner whose sin has not been forgiven and dealt with. And they're hiding. They're hiding from God. They're hiding from the very thing that will liberate them. That will bring them cleansing from guilt and shame and reconcile them and give them a sense and experience of God's love. Freedom from condemnation and guilt and at peace with God. Listen, God's manifest presence here among the feeble, weak folk that have just learned to find our refuge in the strong one, Jesus Christ. That it might not feel right being here, but that doesn't mean it isn't right. There might be people watching and you're still up from the night of partying, still high, maybe woke up with a hangover and to take the edge off, took another drink this morning. And it might feel right, but that doesn't mean it is right. God's got a rock of salvation provided that every person can hide from the wrath to come. From the day of accountability. It's interesting because you read Revelation, it says the unrepentant sinners in the end will hide themselves in the rocks and the caves. From the true cave, the true rock, the true crag, Jesus Christ. And the whole time of their life, He's trying to get them to hide themselves in the true rock before the day of His return. You're making a choice every day, friend, regarding your eternal home. And every day you continue to make a choice to practice evil. You're making it harder for your preference to ever want to be aware or recognize or love or desire something contrary to the darkness and the sin that you're choosing daily. But today's the day of salvation. God has provided a rock. God has made a way through Jesus, through His death, burial, and resurrection. So the question is, sinner, the question is, unbeliever, the question is, seeker, who or what are you trusting in? Are you trusting in your, your own strength to save you? Are you trusting in your own good works? No, it is Jesus alone. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.